Hi there. You're listening to the Lighthouse to the Nations Church podcast. This week, Mike brought us part five of our series through Ephesians, The Secret of Prayer. We hope you find encouragement from his message this morning. Well, good morning, Lighthouse, and good morning to our online listeners. Thanks for tuning in and finding the time to be with us this morning. As a local church, you're working through a series through the book of Ephesians called Unlocking the Secrets Hidden in the book of Ephesians. And this morning we're on part five, which is the secret of praying in Christ. Now this morning I'm not going to tell you how I think we should pray, and I'm not going to show you my thoughts on how to pray effectively. I'm not going to tell you any of my opinions on how to pray. And the reason is that what's infinitely more important are what are God's opinions. What does God tell us? How does the, what does the Bible say on how to pray effectively? And that's exactly why we go through a book of the Bible, so we can declare God's opinions and not man's opinions. Now, the book of Ephesians opens up to us the secrets of some of the most amazing prayers in the Bible. And Paul prays three times in Ephesians, in the, the introductory part, the middle, and at the end, he pauses his discussion and he prays. And after the Lord's Prayer, Paul's prayer in Ephesians establishes for us a standard of prayer. And Paul unapologetically claimed that he prays more than anyone else. You see, he was reliant and dependent on God for everything from the power of God working in him and through him, just performing miraculous signs and wonders, to just his day-to-day keeping in step with the Spirit and his day-to-day personal devotion is just having a fresh revelation every day of the love of God for him. So that's why he says, unapologetically, I pray more than anybody else. So how important is prayer? Well, Jesus devoted himself to prayer and demonstrated to us that prayer permeates all of life. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. In fact, Acts 2 verse 14 sums up the activity of the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So this morning we're going to discover some of the secrets of effective prayer that we find hidden in the book of Ephesians. So as I said, Paul prays three times in the introduction, in the middle, and at the end. And he starts off in Ephesians 1 verse 15. And he starts praying for the church. Now the preceding verses, Paul has spoken about the secret of what God has done for us. His eternal and sovereign purposes for us and the church. And because God is sovereignly working in us and through the church and gives life to the church, and directs its growth, and controls its destiny, Paul prays to God on behalf of the church. So let's read Ephesians 1 verse 15. For this reason that I've just mentioned, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul prays for the church in Ephesus because, number one, they have faith in the Lord Jesus, and number two, because of their love for all God's people. 
You know, loving God, loving people. That was the hallmark of the church at Ephesus. And Paul tells the church, I'm praying for you, and he tells them what he's praying for. And it's okay for us to tell other people, I'm praying for you, and to tell them what we're praying for. Some things we don't do, like giving, are quite secret, but this, you can tell somebody you're praying for them. And if you look at Paul's heart, he prays with what? With a heart that's full and overflowing with thanks to God for the evidence of God's grace working in people. And Paul encourages in our prayers to thank God for the people he brings into our lives. Paul encourages us in our prayers just to thank God for one another. So he starts off, Ephesians 1 verse 17, Paul just prays that the Father will impart us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So why? What is his purpose of praying that? He says, so that you may know him better. So that you can know him better through deeper intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Now, Paul has spoken about the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. So we never stop growing or learning the secrets of his heart and his purposes for us in the church. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 2 verse 3 that in Christ Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered, heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge are found in Jesus. And therefore Paul prays, Lord, give them a spirit of revelation and wisdom to know me. And then he goes on. I noticed before we carry on, who does Paul pray to? Praise the Father. Now the Bible teaches us to pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit and in the name and by the authority and by the merit of God the Son, Jesus Christ. So the Bible teaches us to pray, Heavenly Father, our Father, and end our prayers with, in the name of Jesus, we pray this. Now why does Paul say that? Well, Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16 tells us that because of Jesus, our high priest, we have access to the Father. We draw close to God. And there's no access to God without Christ and his name. So when we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, we say to the Father that we're not coming on our own merit or worth, but because Jesus loves us and because of his merit. And Paul also involves the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6, we're going to read in a moment, verse 18. Paul encouraged us, pray at all times in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the strength of the Holy Spirit, depending on the Holy Spirit, as you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, having said that, it's perfectly fine to speak to Jesus as your friend, Savior, Lord, and guide, and to speak the Holy Spirit. In fact, John 14, verse 14, Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You can speak to Jesus. And Ephesians 3, 30, it says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you speak to the Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, I'm just sorry, I, I grieved you. You speak directly to the Spirit. You see, because both Jesus and the Holy Spirit are persons. And it's perfectly normal to speak to them. So, for example, you could say, Holy Spirit, won't you help me in this decision? Won't you strengthen me? 
Or you could just you could speak to Jesus. You know, you could just say, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. You've captivated my heart. You speak to Jesus. But Paul teaches that the normal, regular praying is to the Father, through the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. So let's go to Ephesians 1 verse 18. So Paul prays that they will come to a deeper and fuller grasp of the truth of God as revealed in Scripture. He re- he, so we read, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why does he pray that? Well, there's three things. In order that you may know the hope to which you are called, which has called you. Number two, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And number three, the incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 1, 18 to 20. So Paul's praying here that we will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to us through faith. And he prays that our lives will testify something of the immense power of God working through us. And he prays that God will give us crystal clear vision until we experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling and the wealth of God's glorious inheritance to us, his masterpiece, and his incomparable power at work within us. And Paul prays this. He prays that we will grasp the truth that the extraordinary divine power by which Jesus Christ is raised from the dead is the same power at work in and through believers. And Paul prays that the eyes of our heart will be opened so that by the Holy Spirit, the light of God's word will penetrate every facet of our lives. And it will eat some of the hidden manna. It talks about Revelation 2.17, the heavenly food available to us. And the psalmist puts it this way, open my eyes to see the miracle wonder hidden in your word. So you can pray that, Lord, just open the word of God to me. Just open this to me. And then in Ephesians 1 verse 22, he carries on and he prays for an understanding of the destiny of human beings. That ultimately Christ Jesus rules over everything. That God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus and has given the highest rank above all else. And he prays for an understanding of the truth that Jesus is head over everything, not only of the church. And we need that understanding while we're praying. And in Ephesians 1 verse 1 verse 23, he prays that the church take hold of the truth that it is the fullness of Christ. In the sense that it's filled by him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who fills all things. So that's his introductory prayer in Ephesians 1. Then he prays in Ephesians 3. And this is some of the most beautiful prayers you're going to find in the Bible. Now he pauses in the middle of the book of Ephesians. Now remember up to this point. All he's done is he simply stated truths to declare. About our position and riches in Christ. And he's given this most wonderful exposition. Of systematic theology. But he pauses. Now remember, Paul is sitting in Rome under house arrest. And in the middle of writing this letter, what he does is while in prison, he sort of, he lifts the chain that's fastened to the Roman soldier and he makes space 
And he kneels down, face in the ground, and on bended knees, he expresses his tenderness and his praise and his love for the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 3 verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. So he prays with an incredible revelation of the Father heart of God. And what he's saying to us is this. You can pray with the power of a child of God to a perfect father. And he starts the prayer saying, for this reason. Now what reason? Well, he's just referring to the previous paragraphs where he speaks about the secret of what God has done for us and his sovereignty. The secret of what Christ has done in us and our riches in Christ. And the secret of what Christ has done between us. Reconciling us to the Father and to each other. That God has done the seemingly impossible. He's reconciled and united, organically united us. Despite our diversity and differences. And on bended knees, on complete dependence on the Father... Paul prays, Ephesians 3 verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul prays that you'll have an inner spiritual strength. And he prays that our perfect heavenly father will flood each of us with supernatural strength in our innermost being and with divine might and explosive power. That's what Paul prays. Now, at that time, the church in Ephesus was facing difficulties, challenges, persecution. They needed strength. They needed a double dose, maybe a triple dose, even a quadruple dose of strength. And in our lives, too, we need God's supernatural spiritual strength to flood our innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Now, why does Paul pray for such inner strength. Well, he goes on, he says, the purpose of it is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, Ephesians 3.17, so that the life of Christ will be released in you, deep inside each of us. Paul prays that the indwelling Christ will impact every part of our lives. He prays that the influence of Christ in our lives will be seen in every corner of our life. As we submit to his lordship. That is the reason he prays that. And then he goes on. And he prays that whatever circumstances, whatever challenges life throws at you, whatever curved balls life throws at you, whatever hurricane winds blow against you, that you will be unmoved from your faith in Jesus. Ephesians 3 verse 17. And I pray that you, comma, being rooted and anchored and established in love. So Paul prays for a revelation that you are rooted in Jesus' love. And as a tree has roots that go deep for nourishment and stability through the fiercest storm, so we deeply rooted in Jesus' love. As a ship's anchor steadies a ship, we are fastened and held tightly in the grip of Jesus' love. And as a building is established or grounded with a solid foundation, we are built on Jesus' love. 
Paul prays for that revelation. And after he's prayed for the supernatural strength in the innermost being, he encourages us to start taking some measurements. And he says, let's try and measure the love of Jesus. So he says, get out your measuring ones. Now, I've got one here. So I've got my measuring one. Now, I can see you. You may be saying, what man has a pink measuring instrument? <laughs> well, this is actually my wife's. She's got a, a pink toolbox, and inside her pink toolbox, everything is pink. Pink hammer, pink this, pink this. Anyway, let's not get distracted. So Paul says, get out your measuring equipment. Let's measure Christ's love. Ephesians 3.18, I pray that you, being rooted and anchored in established in love, may have the power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So Paul prays for a revelation of the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in four dimensions. Length, breadth, height, and depth. So let's measure those. Let's look at the length first. No length is spared to express how far Christ's love reaches to us, even when we're dead in our sins. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us. What about the breadth? Let's try and measure the breadth. Well, no breadth can contain Christ's love for us, which encompasses people of every language, color, background, shape, size, bald, almost bald like me, hairy, it extends to every man, woman, and child. Christ's love is as wide as his grace extends to us. And spreads itself around every nook and cranny in earth and on heaven. How are we going to measure that? What about the height? Let's measure the height of his love. Well, no height is too high for Christ's love to lift us up. And seat us with Christ in the heavenly realm to reign in life through Christ Jesus. Well, maybe we can measure the depth of Christ's love. Well, no depth is too unsearchable and deep for Christ's love to penetrate our innermost being and thoughts. Now, how do you measure the depth of Christ's love? Well, there's four ways. It's measured by what it cost him to give his life for you. And by how little we deserve it. And by the greatness of the benefits we receive from his love, and fourthly, by the freedom by which Christ gave it to us, his love to us. Now, how do you measure that? Well, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love compels us to do what? To put aside our measuring equipment. Why? Because it's an endless love. It's beyond measurement. It's a love that transcends our understanding an extravagant love that pours into us until we fall to overflowing with the fullness of God. So Paul's saying, you cannot grasp the love of Christ 
apart from the divine power and strength of God enabling you to do it. The love of Christ, Paul says, surpasses the powers of the mind to comprehend and the powers of the heart to experience. It goes beyond what you're able to do. So how then is Christ's love possible to comprehend and experience? Well, Paul tells us, Romans 5 verse 5, God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And now we can experience the endless, extravagant love of God that pours into us daily, cascading to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And that is why Paul prays for divine power and strength to comprehend the love of God. We cannot do it on our own. It surpasses the mind and it surpasses the experience of the heart. Now, once Paul's prayed that, he goes on Ephesians 3.20, he prays that we will never doubt God's power to work in and through you to accomplish this. So he says, Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. That is why Paul prays with such confidence and certainty. Knowing that as a child of God coming to a perfect father, God will achieve so much more than we can ask or imagine. And the Passion Translation puts it this way, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's the Passion Translation. <laughs> but that's why we can pray with such certainty and confidence. Because we know that as a child of God coming to a perfect father, he will accomplish so much more than we can even ask. And before Paul rises from his position on his bended knees praying for the believers, he closes his prayer with the ultimate goal of all believers. Ephesians 3, verse 21. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Christ Jesus and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. So Paul prays that our ultimate goal is that all praise and all glory Go to Jesus Christ for all eternity, that is forever and ever and ever, and that is our ultimate goal and the reason that we pray. And Paul says, don't forget that. So that's his prayer in the middle of Ephesians. Beautiful prayer. And then at the end of Ephesians, before he closes, he prays once more. And let's just pick it up there at the end, at the end of the book. He instructs us on how to pray. Ephesians 6 verse 18, he says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. So Paul reminds us that the battle is spiritual and must be fought in God's strength. So the verses before that were just all in the arm of God. Now what is praying in the Spirit? Well, it's a big topic. I'm just going to very, very briefly touch on it. Praying in the Spirit is praying in the power of the Holy Spirit according to the Spirit's leading and for the things the Spirit leads us to pray. 
it's relying on the Holy Spirit in prayer. So Romans 8.26, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. And at times we don't know how to pray and we don't know what to pray for. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 to 4, Paul teaches about a gift of tongues given to believers as a personal prayer language that edifies and builds up the one who is praying privately to God. And Paul used this personal prayer language. He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. But this phrase, pray at all times in the Spirit, at all times of prayers and requests, means to rely on the Holy Spirit in prayer and to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to pray in conformity to the character of the Holy Spirit. It encompasses praying in tongues, which is a very important aspect and part of praying in the Spirit, but it's not restricted to speaking in tongues. You can pray with your spirit, you can pray with your mind. It encompasses many things, as long as it's in conformity with the character of the Holy Spirit. And then he closes his prayer, Ephesians 6, verse 18, and he says, With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all God's people. You see, when we pray for others, we accelerate God's purposes. One of the most profound ways we love someone is to pray for them. Now, in God's wisdom, the body of Christ doesn't work properly without the other members praying for it. Now, in the human body, we've got what's called an immune system. And your immune system fights off any bugs. It fights off any invasive forces that seek to disease and afflict your body. Now, in the body of Christ, the immune system that God has built into the fabric of the church is what? Prayer. Prayer is God's immune system for the body of Christ to build itself up in love. Prayer, it's through prayer the body of Christ keeps healthy and fit and builds itself up and is encouraged. And it's through prayer, the immune system that's built in the fabric of the church, that we fight off the vase of forces that seek to disease and afflict the body of Christ. And that's God's wisdom. That's what God's done. That's how he's created the body of Christ. So this then is some of the secrets that we find about how to pray in the book of Ephesians. So Father, just thank you for this. Just thank you for teaching us through the book of Ephesians on how to pray effectively. Holy Spirit, seal the truth of what we've read today in our hearts that you can just equip us on how to pray effectively. And as Paul said, just pray with a revelation that we can come as a child of God, praying to a perfect Father, knowing that you will abundantly exceed what we ask or imagine. Thank you for that incredible inner strength that you give us. Thank you for your four dimensions of your love that we cannot measure your length, breadth, height, and depth of it. Give us a revelation of that. So, Father, we just thank you for your word that our lives will just reflect something of the power of the life of Christ working in us. 
So we commit ourselves to you and Holy Spirit, just bring truth to us and bring this to remembrance to us as we pray effectively. So we just thank you for, for your life. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Uh, so for online listeners, thank you so much for tuning in or finding the time to listen to us. We we pray that together as we unpack something of of what Paul taught about how to pray effectively, that you will be, be blessed through that and learn of what God says about how to pray effectively. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about who we are as a church, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministry, please visit our website at www.thelighthouse.org.za. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of our episodes. Thank you.